everybody, Jimmy Smith unlocking the cage on today's Unlocking the Cage podcast. Ray Seppo, president of PFL, sit down with me to talk about their upcoming changes in the resigning of Kayla Harrison. I also answer your mailbag questions. If you want yours answered, just send us an email at utcmailbag at gmail.com. Ray Seppo, PFL president. How you doing, Ray? Good, good, good. How are you? Thanks. <laughs> no problem, man. Love having you, having you on every single time. My first question uh, is changes to PFL, the, the, the pay-per-view business model, maybe having super fights, certain people being in the, 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 the tournaments, other people not. Please tell me about what's going on with these changes in PFL. Yeah, you know, there are things that have been in discussion and uh, obviously, you know, you just take them one step at a time. And uh, right now, uh, uh, we're we're um, focusing on the Challenger Series. And of course, um, the announcement went out and re-signing of Kayla, which is awesome. Um, and then uh, the season starts in October. The PFL season starts in, sorry, not October, uh, April. And so, um, you know, uh, we're looking at, at the pay-per-view model also. Uh, later on in the year so you know all these things are, are in discussions uh, but nothing 100 percent um finalized yet should i say i'm curious ray your your vision for these changes um what's your vision for pfl coming up in the next couple of years even less than you know this year to the next three or four years as a company what's that 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 final goal the vision for pfl regardless of w- what steps you take what's that vision you have for pfl in the next couple of years yeah, the vision has been the same all along, and that is to become one of the best. Uh, well, we're the only league in in the MMA space, so yeah. uh, we want to be, you know, uh, the number one MMA league in the world. Of course, um, you know, we want to be as big as the UFC. Uh, the UFC, you know, again, nothing but love and respect for them, uh, but our model is different, and so the season is. Um, uh, the season format works, and uh, we've proven that time and time again. And, of course, like I said, the vision is to become one of the best in the world. Uh, let's go now, speaking to Ray Seffo, PFL president, about the whole Kayla Harrison situation. Now, the first thing I want to – let's back up a little bit. Um, at, at What were your thoughts when she entered free agency, when it was Bellator, you, the UFC, all thinking about Kayla Harrison and where she would fit? What were your thoughts on her as a fighter and how bad you wanted to keep her? Oh, yeah, definitely we wanted to keep her. But, uh, again, speaking to her manager and and Kayla, of course, you know, they wanted to see uh, what that was. And, um, you know, we we know that uh, – uh, we could uh, pretty much uh, match anything that was going to come our way. So uh, we were, you know, just waiting to see where, where that, uh, that would lead. And um, we're all very grateful and thankful that, uh, you know, it led right back to us and, and uh, we're able to make the deal ha- uh, happen and also, you know, keep her happy as well. So uh, moving forward with the offer and all these things, I, I, I want to ask something of you, Ray. I would never say something, but I've done a lot of interviews with you, met you, one of the nicest guys I've ever dealt with at MMA. Um, I would never say anything on my show that I wouldn't ask you about to your face. So, but, as yeah. a skeptic, as a which I am a skeptic, not because of PFL and not because of your resources and your determination, 145 just doesn't have a whole lot of parity. There's not a whole lot of depth at 145. 
anywhere. Not in the UFC, not in Bellator. There just isn't. We have Cyborg, we have Amanda Nunes, and of course you guys have Kayla Harrison. When she said, you know, PFL's going to bring in talent so that I have somebody to fight, where is that talent? How do you plan to bring it in? Because as I just pointed out, not a lot of parity at 145. Please explain it to me as a skeptic how that talent is going to be brought in. No, you're right. It is very tough because, um, you know, uh, when we were originally talking about um, having a 155 division, the idea was because yeah, there was no 155 division, and we thought and 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 you know, from my own experiences, a lot of women at 45 cut a lot of weight, and so I'd assume that some of them would probably want to fight at their natural weight. Um, but you know, obviously, some have tried and. Um, and as we look around in the globe, um, we're, you know, we're signing fighters that uh, are coming out of, you know, uh, jujitsu matches, um, kickboxing and that kind of stuff. And so uh, a perfect example is uh, Martina Chindrova, uh, who, you know, just um, won a, the contract into the season through the Challenger Series. Um, and... You know, meeting her, and she's a big, solid girl. And so, you know, uh, there are women out there. Again, the, the thought process at the time was that uh, there are a few women that cut a lot of weight to 45. Um, and some have tried and, and, uh, and um, realized that, uh, for example, uh, Sarah uh, Kaufman, who, uh, you know, wonderful person, great fighter, but her her being a 35er, uh, she just thought like after the first season that it was uh, too tough to kind of sustain that um, weight. And so, you know, listen, we're still uh, searching around the globe for the best fighters that uh, can make 55 or can um, cut down to 55. And, um, and, you know, the job at hand is still, the job at hand is finding the best talents available. Uh, speaking of Ray Cepho, PFL president, of course, resigning Kayla Harrison. That is huge news. She was a gigantic free agent. A lot of people, especially about Bellator, have talked about co-promotion, maybe doing something to bring Cyborg and Kayla Harrison together that way, some kind of joint PFL Bellator show. I had one of my listeners ask me about it and said, how likely is that to happen? I am not sure. What is your view on any kind of co-promotion to bring in talent, especially for Kayla Harrison? Uh, listen, I, I don't think, we, yeah. Um, me personally, I don't think that's an issue. Um, if uh, I, I know that um, Scott has done a few uh, co-promotion stuff uh, with other uh, promote, promotions. And so, and he's a good friend of mine, nothing but love and respect for Scott. Um, so, you know, anything is possible. Uh, I think it's just a matter of uh, the two teams coming, to, uh, sitting down at a table and, and, and making sure that it works for everybody. When you see Kayla Harrison's talent level, it's kind of funny. Um, I was at a Bellator show here in Florida, and it was Cyborg, and, then, and obviously Kayla Harrison was, was cage side. She, she, she trains an American top team. And there aren't – with first thing I, I think when I see Cyborg, every time it's like, my God, she's a monster. Just physically, she's a beast, really strong, really tall. And it was the first time right. I had ever actually met Kayla Harrison. Like, I've talked to her a million times. I've never been in the same room with her. And I walk up and I hug Kayla Harrison. And the first thing I thought is, this is the first person I've ever seen physically 
that could go toe-to-toe with Cyborg. Just visually, just she's strong. With your thought of Kayla Harrison and where she stacks up against the best, including Cyborg, including Amanda Nunez, what she physically brings to the table, how often have you seen this in your 30, 40 years in combat sports, man? Uh, yeah, it's rare. Um, absolutely. I mean, Kayla Harrison is um, not only an amazing athlete, athlete, but yeah, you're right. I mean, she's a solid girl. Um, and, you know, um, I think she stacks up very well against these um, champions, um, the likes of Amanda Nunes, the likes of uh, uh, Chris Cyborg. I mean, those two ladies are uh, not only amazing uh, fighters, but also good people. And, and Kayla falls right into there. So um, I think she squares up really well with any, with the best of the best. What are your thoughts, of course, speaking to Ray Cepho, um PFL president, I have to ask for the fans out there listening. Do you think Kayla Cyborg, which you said you're open to a co-promotion, uh, do you think we see that by the end of 2022? Do you think it's a big push or wherever she goes or wherever you have her fight? Do you think this year is a big year for Kayla Harrison? Do you think we might see that by the end of 2022? Um, yeah, I mean, listen, like, like I said, it's, um, anything is possible, right? And, and I think uh, it's just a matter of uh, our team sitting down with uh, Scott's team and, and, and work out what's the uh, – best for both the athletes as well as us uh, and PFL and, and Balto. Uh, so it's very possible. Uh, it's also very possible that Super Fight could happen at the end of this year. Um, but it also could happen early next year. So, you know, all these things are very possible. Uh, it's just a matter of sitting at the table and, and coming to um, a, a, you know, an agreement that, uh, that it suits everybody. I want to know about the free agency moves you guys made this year that were really, really big. Obviously, you brought in Warren McDonald. You brought in Anthony Pettis. You brought in Fabricio Verdum. And part of what that showed is the talent level currently that the PFL, right? You guys had some monsters. Ray Brada Cooper, for example, defeating Warren McDonald. You had Anthony Smith. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Anthony, uh, uh, Anthony Pettis following Pettis. his... Yep. Right, Anthony Pettis falling in his tournament. You had um, it was considered a no contest, but for Fabricio Verdum, TKO'd in the first round. Of course, there was no contest there later, but it kind of showed the strength of PFL and the depth of PFL. Do you consider that a success when it comes to free agency? Very curious about that. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, obviously, um, you know, there's great fighters everywhere, um, and PFL we have some some of the best fighters as well, and so. Anybody that uh, wants to come over, they got to real, you know. That obviously that's been proven time and time again this past couple of years. And so, uh, anybody that we sign that comes from anywhere, um, it's got to come into the season with the attitude of knowing that they're going to be facing some of the best, the best of the best fighters in the world. Because, um, you know, if that's not the mindset, then. Uh, they're going to run into some problems right out the gate uh, because, again, we have some legit, legit uh, top-level fighters at PFL. Um, and the likes of Ray Cooper have shown that, you know, um, Kayla, of course, Magomed, um, uh, Magomed Kidemoff. I mean, some of, these are some of the top names that, uh, that's been champions and whatnot. And so... Um, you know, then you look at uh, the uh, featherweights, uh, Bob Elite, 
uh, who is still undefeated and yeah. just won, you know, his biggest title and, and won a million dollars. And and again, that's he's um, one of uh, Habib's proteges and uh, and he's following that footstep as well. So yeah, absolutely, uh, we have some of the best fighters in the world, and um, I think the team. Uh, in terms of our fighters are going to continue to show that. Uh, speaking, of course, to Ray Seppo, PFL president, getting a little away a little bit from PFL and promotion talk, tied to Avasa from your neck of the woods, from down under, uh, now the number three heavyweight in the UFC, knocking guys out and doing shoeies. How important is it to you that when I interview guys like that, which I have, they always mention you and Mark Hunt as inspirations, right? That the the heavy heavy hitting, never take a step back Polynesian who can knock your head right into the third row. <laughs> What's it mean to you to be an inspiration, man, for you know the K one you and your your K one generation to be an inspiration to this generation of fighters, man? What does that mean to you? Uh, well, first of all, I'm so proud of uh, of Ty. I mean, like yeah. you know, uh, first meeting him. Uh, years back and, and then seeing him grow and seeing where he's gone. I mean, super, super happy for him and super proud of him. Uh, but yeah, no, for me, like, you know, uh, earlier in the career, in my career, I never really, you know, all I focused on was, was, was the grind and, uh, you know, one fight at a time and uh, continue to move forward and become a world champion. And unbeknownst to me, because I get so many, uh, texts and messages, and especially now with social media that's, you know, uh, taking the world by storm, is that um, I get people just sending me messages uh, saying, hey, you know, just watching your fights and your spirit and the way you come forward and um, the way you smile in, in the ring um, uh, gives me strength and, uh, you know, it, it, it took me out of these dark places. So when I hear that kind of thing, um, it's really um, humbling because... I didn't know that um, just doing what I love would have an effect like that on people. And so um, what I've understood, you know, as uh, I've grown in the past uh, 15, 20 years is that um, what we do as, you know, as fighters um, can inspire anybody from around the world. And so when I hear, you know, brothers like Ty Duvasa and, and guys like that who, um, looks up to Mark and, and myself. Um, that's again, like I said, it's humbling and it's also really awesome to see them, you know, blossom in their careers and, and continue to um, not only represent, um, you know, down under New Zealand, Australia, um, but it, it, a little bit closer to home, being you know Polynesian and, and Samoan. And so when I when I see those guys do so well, it makes me proud and happy. How important, before I let you go, how important is having joy in what you're doing? How important is that in fighting and how underrated is it? We just don't hear it that often. Like, are you having fun doing it? Are you having joy doing it? You always seem to have joy when you are fighting and getting ready for a fight. How important is that and how underrated is that in modern combat sports, man? It is so um, important to enjoy what you do. Uh, you know, I, I've heard this saying a um, long time ago that it ain't work if you love what you do. And it's so true, you know, when I listen to uh, some of these um, people like Tony Robbins and uh, Gary Vee and those guys um, talk about how, you know, how they love what they do. Um, and it's, it's so evident uh, to me because... I love what I do. I know for a fact, you know, 
a billion percent that what I'm doing today is exactly what I was meant to do in my life. Uh, so having to come through the grind through, you know, as a young fighter to winning six world titles, uh, to becoming a Hall of Famer. I mean, all these things I'd never really thought about or dreamt of. And so for me, it is such a humbling journey. Um, and the journey continues. And uh, then having an amazing team like the team that we have at PFL, um, it, it's just, yeah, no, I, I love, 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 love what I do. And um, every morning I wake up and I thank the good Lord that I do what I do. So um, even more so the joyful part of signing a, uh, signing uh, a new fighter and watching and seeing the, you know, the look in their eyes, just like when I was first signed in K1, how I was just over the moon and so happy that I was able or was uh, talented enough to be able to become a K1 fighter. Um, and so, yeah, no, um, it's, I love what I do. And yeah, absolutely. Uh, everybody should do what they love to do. Um, and, you know, I, I think the world will be a better place because when you wake up every morning and look forward to, you know, to another day uh, of things that you love to do, I, I don't see why anybody would be upset. Ray, you are absolutely the man. Ray Seffo, PFL president. Big moves this year. Can't wait to see where everything goes. Thank you so much for your time, buddy. I appreciate it. Thank you. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. Usually mailbag, I'm all excited. I get to answer your questions, and but that means I have to like bring Kob, who stabbed me in the back um, yesterday, into the show. But I do what I got. Why the f- you lying? I gotta be a professional. Gotta do it. So Kob, good to have you back. Good to have you back on the show. Really awesome to hear your voice. I've always been here. I've always been here, Jimmy Smith. <sighs> all right, whatever. So uh, anyway, so Kob, what you got for me? You've got mail. All right, we'll start off with this. Uh, This comes from Steve in Seattle. It says, hey, Jimmy, uh, you were talking about stagnant divisions in the UFC. Alex Pereira fights this weekend at UFC, and what do you think of him in a potential fight with Israel Adesanya? And do you think the UFC will give him a quick push to the title, given the backstory of him beating Izzy in kickboxing? Uh, Yes, they will give him a gigantic push. The difficulty is uh, he doesn't have a lot of... of MMA experience, let alone UFC experience, MMA experience, period. And when you look at the rankings, uh, is he even ranked right now? He is not even ranked, not even in the top 15. So you think of a scenario where someone who is not in the top 15 gets an opportunity at the title in one or two fights. Go ahead. I'll wait. Yeah, it doesn't really happen very often. But Pereira himself, I'm looking at MMAfighting.com, believes scared s israel adesanya doesn't want to fight again he'll run from me all right beat him twice in kickboxing uh with the decision in china and then a, a big knockout in brazil so two and oh in kickboxing but one and oh in the ufc so just getting started he thinks israel adesanya is going to run from him that's ridiculous i don't know why he would it would be a big fight 
but it's, it's just going to take a while. And one thing I want to say is when you look at this idea that the, 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 talent, the, the talent is stagnant at the top, it is. But if you rush someone else, that doesn't necessarily change things. It doesn't necessarily do a whole lot for a guy who's 4-1 and one to rush up and fight for a title. Let's say he's 6-1, 7-1. Okay, you're still way behind the champion in terms of experience. He has one win in the UFC by knockout. Great. Andreas Michalidis is not exactly preparation for Israel Adesanya. You can cut corners, but does that get you around the problem of real parity? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. What you want are four or five guys, if possible, that you can look at and say any one of these guys could be champion. And I don't see that at 185. Fast-tracking Pereira, which they will do, doesn't help. So if he wins his next fight, let's, let's for argument's sake he does, all right, then they give him a top-five guy in his next fight. Ah, uh, Sean Strickland, Yacker Manson, Derek Brunson, I, you know, I, I could list off a bunch of names. Can he get past that guy? I haven't seen great. That's great kickboxing. But I don't know if he has the rest of the skills necessary to get past a decent wrestler, decent submission guy, decent physical pressure. Maybe he can out-kickbox out Israel Asanya. He's his kryptonite. Doesn't mean he's Derek Brunson's kryptonite. And he has to beat one of those guys to get there. That's going to be a problem. Next. Mail, motherfucker. All right. This next one comes from Dan in California. It says, hey, Jimmy. Uh, Bryce Mitchell looked great at UFC 272, yes. but how much do you attribute his success to his ability or Edson Barboza showing signs of the damage he's taken in past fights at this point in his career, and who should be next for Mitchell? Very good questions all the way around. When you look at 145, one of the problems is Bryce Mitchell now at 9, Edson Barboza falls to 11. We have seen a slide in Edson Barboza for a while. We have. Uh, the issue at 145 is when I look at it, it doesn't have that great wrestler in there, right? It's that it doesn't have that great wrestler. Calvin Cater, great striker. Korean Zombie, great striker. Yair Rodriguez, great striker. Brian Ortega, great jiu-jitsu, great striker. Max Holloway, same thing. Alexander Volkanovsky, comparatively well-rounded, not necessarily a wrestling guy. Josh Emmett at number six, Arnold Allen at number seven, Giga Chikazi at number eight, another kickboxer there. No one in front of him has standout wrestling slash ground game. They don't. Max Holloway, a decent submission game. Alexander, Alexander Volkanovsky shows decent defensive wrestling. But one of the reasons is it's a division full of strikers. One of the reasons Khabib ran roughshod over the 155-pound division is there weren't a lot of great wrestlers in there. Great strikers, not a lot of great wrestlers. And what he was able to do is take everybody down, ground and pound. That's what Islam Makachev is doing right now. 170, generally full of great wrestlers. Getting to the top and not knowing how to wrestle isn't really possible. Kobe Covington will stop you, and then Kamaru Usman will stop you, okay? When you look at, uh, you know, 135, generally has had some decent wrestlers in it. 145, nope. 155, not really, not anymore. Every now and then, Sean Sherrick had decent wrestling. That was a while ago. When you think about it that way, being in a division without wrestlers and having a real wrestling background and really great top pressure is your ace in the hole a lot of the time. And it's Bryce Mitchell's ace in the hole. So Calvin Cater has been kicked around as an opponent for Bryce Mitchell. Would that be a possibility? Yeah, it could be. 
But, boy, he better work on that takedown defense. He better take those windows and be ready to crack Bryce Mitchell every chance he gets because that's going to be a tough one. That dude looks really good in that division. So it's more than it's, – it's, it's not just the fall of Edson Barbosa. It's certainly a part of it. But the division he is in that Bryce Mitchell has looked so good. Next. Message. All right, next up, this comes from Dan from Tampa who says, Hey, guys, uh, you guys have been talking a lot about gambling lately. I play a lot of poker live and online, but my favorite is a fun blackjack table. I know you don't gamble that much, Jimmy, but what is the crew's favorite favorite game? I think I don't, I don't know if he's trying to say gaming or gambling. Uh, he also says, also, can we have an app or something that when I purchase a UFC card, I own it and can watch it over again? For example, like when I purchase a movie on Amazon or something. That's basically Fight Pass, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought it was going to But yeah, I, I, I get it. I get it. Um, yeah, I don't really. The only thing I've ever played uh, casino-wise is Hold'em. The problem with playing Hold'em is in a casino is it's a real investment in time. Okay, have you ever played in a casino and played play Hold'em? I haven't, man. I, I always want to, but like my, my rational brain goes, you know what? You've been drinking a bit. I don't know if you're going to be able to control your face at that table, so why don't you just avoid that? So all I've ever played in the casinos is blackjack, and I don't think I've ever walked away with like more than a little bit of what I sat down with or nothing. The, the problem I have, like, I like poker. I like, I like the, the, the mental challenge of playing poker. I like the math. I like a lot of it. Um, the problem is you can't just sit down, you know, and, and, and spend, you know, half an hour at a, at a poker table. It doesn't work that way. you got to really invest a lot of time. And I generally often don't have a lot of time to sit in a casino and even if it's not a lot of money or it's the amount of money I don't care about losing, it's more the investment in time and I don't that's one reason I don't do it very often. Get what I'm saying? Yeah. I I do love playing poker. I'm actually as I'm sitting here talking, I'm like flipping poker chips around right now. It's like my my stress reliever. Ah, um, I love it. And it's stressful working with me. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. especially yeah. when you you know you won't accept the fact that you lost a betting picks. Second. Uh, but can, I digress. We can I, I, like I digress. not go there without we moved on. Go ahead. <laughs> I digress. So, uh, yeah, dude, I love playing poker with people, and for like for me, I'm never good. At, like, I was never good at math. It's not the math that gets me. It's figuring out someone else at the table. Like when you just figure something, like he doesn't have anything, and you can either play back or just call something that maybe probably you shouldn't have but you knew like i can tell by this person they have nothing i like that game of trying to figure people yeah, out the psychology of it is fun yeah that's yeah. my favorite thing so uh kel for the first time on the show any table games you like no i've actually never stepped foot in a casino so i don't know how to play any of them i'm pretty frugal so i don't like to bet crazy anyway so i just bet on my phone on ufc really so you have never been in a casino? Never. For any re- – like, I've been in so many fights that I just – I have to go to a lot of – I did at one point have to go to a lot of casinos. It's been a long time. So I spent just a ton of time staying in casinos, but you have never been to a casino? No, I literally never. I'm going to Vegas this summer, so I imagine For the first time. The first time. For the first time. Wow. We'll now, see if I, I make it back. Yeah, I'm a little worried about you. So – the, the reason I find that weird is I'm a Californian and we go to Vegas all like I like as a little kid, my grandmother and my mom would go to Vegas and, and we'd go with them or whatever. And we'd play video games. And so like it's kind of a weekend getaway. I don't know if there's a comparable thing for you guys. Like, I mean, I do Mohegan like weekend Sun trips to Florida, right? but like right. that's still an ordeal. Right. But there's no gambling nearby in New York. Like is, would, would Mohegan Sun or something in Connecticut be like a, the place you got or Atlantic City? I don't know. Yeah, I guess. I mean, we have a casino here, but it's all virtual. 
Like you oh, walk wow. in and all the tables are virtual. There's no actual people playing actual cards. No, it's very bizarre. I mean, so yeah. I've heard. I've never been. That's effing weird. Right? But in blackjack, uh, KOB, you generally lose or just win a little bit? What's the deal? If I'm lucky, I, I walk away with maybe ten more dollars than I than I started out with. But more often than not, I'm giving everything everything to them at some point. So I just don't know when to walk away. <laughs> that is a big part of it. I, I want to be doubled done. up before I walk away, and I always get close, and then things start to go sour. So I'm like, all right, we can get it. We can get it back. We can get it back. This I'm just trying to break even. The uh, symbol of every gambler who loses everything. <laughs> like that's well, what I'm just trying to get back to where yeah. I was. Right. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, like I said, I like poker, but it's just it's a huge investment in time, and I usually just don't have the hours necessary. Because to read people and get a read on on how they're betting and what they're thinking and all this stuff takes a while. All right, just take you got to play quite a few hands to get that, and I, I just generally don't have time to do it. I wish I did, but I don't, and I just don't have time in my life for anything or three jobs. So it is what it is. Next up, KLB. Answer my question. All right, next up, this comes from Rick in Pennsylvania, who says, uh, with everything Ioana and Jacek is saying about making more money outside the UFC, do you think we will ever see Ioana back in the octagon again? I think we'll see her one more time. Um, What we're talking about is she has said publicly that she makes more money outside the octagon than she did while she was fighting, i.e. not uh, getting punched. Quote, I'm making more money outside of the octagon, but... Still passionate about fighting. That's the big thing. I don't think she has it in her to necessarily make another championship run. It's a big thing. It's a, that, that's something to really keep in mind is it isn't just, will you fight again? One more fight? Sure, I could see that. You got to win some and really have it in you to make a run as champion. Will she do that? No. I don't think so. So that's kind of the question for me is is she'll have one more fight, but will she win the two or three necessary to really become champion? Remember, man, the, the Zhang Weili fight, when her head looked, oh, my God, just mutated, looked terrible. To me, she's got to be willing to go through fights like that for a title. She always goes to war. It's part of her nature. It is who she is. And is she willing to still do that? I, I don't know. I don't know. That's the big question. Because you go through three or four of those, go through one, three or four, no. So to answer your question, I think she fights again. I don't think she makes a title run again. KOB, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I'm kind of wondering, there's a certain point, like, she already won a belt and defended it for a while. I always feel like it's tougher for uh, these people to kind of get back that fire again, especially after they've taken some losses. So I don't, I don't. Yeah, I don't see her winning a belt. She'll always probably be at the top, and especially if someone loses the belt, like she'll be right there in the fresh matchups. But yeah, right now with Rose having the belt, it's like I think you're in a tough spot. You're gonna have to take someone uh, like a Weili Zhang again, and it's just I brutal, right? Yeah, it's brutal. So I'm not saying she can't make a run at the belt because I just think it's she's a name. When you're a name, you'll always be right there whenever they need you. Uh, I just I don't see her winning it back again. Neither do I. Neither do I. And even getting there for a title shot, it's gonna be, it's gonna, it's gonna take some time. And I don't think she's willing to put that in, especially if she's making money. If everything's great, why would you? So uh, next, you've got mail. Uh, this comes from Chris in New Jersey, who says, "Hey Jimmy, if you had to put money on it, do you think we see Kayla Harrison versus Chris Cyborg in any way, shape, or form?" Whew, that's a tough question. 
maybe at oh god, I want to say maybe at some point, but I don't know how long Cyborg's going to do this. So I mean, there's just a limited number of years to 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 make this fight happen. So that's I mean, the clock is just ticking in a way that that. I don't know if Kayla Harrell might be right. With with Cyborg being 36, the window for her to really make an impact in this sport may have just closed. It may just be she doesn't get the big fight against Amanda Nunes or the big fight against Cyborg in the time she has left in this sport. Signing with PFL. And we're going to talk to Ray Seffo at 4 o'clock. Either PFL... uh, co-promotes with Bellator or that fight never ever happens in our lifetime we just miss out on it are they willing to do that I, I don't know I couldn't tell you right now I could I would bet no you gave me a thousand dollars that bet yes or no right now that we ever see Kayla Harrison and Cyborg I'd say no they're in separate promotions time is running out Cyborg is not a spring chicken she's been through a lot of difficult wars is she going to want to stick around in this sport long enough to take on Kayla Harrison, $1,000, I would say no. Is there one more before the break, brother? Yeah, we can bang out two more here. Well, let's do it. Two more. Why not? Two more. All right. This first one comes from Kirk, who says, I hope all the K crew in Hollywood is doing well. I like the new guy, Andre Question Mark. I think he might be talking about Javon here. I think actually. he's talking about Javon. It's been a while since so I've been yeah. with Andre. Yes. Uh, he seems like a great addition, even though I can't be sure of his name. Uh, he says this one is for everyone, including Jimmy. Seems like Jimmy may have been one of those kids who had an excuse every time he lost some kind of game. Well, Kelly won't <laughs> let me use the seven degrees of separation to win. Do you guys think that Jimmy was that kid? Jimmy, be honest. Were you like that? Still love you, Hollywood. Kirk from Wil- Wilmington. Kirk from Wilmington, you're no longer allowed to submit questions. Uh, That's not true, Kirk. About anything. So was I a sore loser as a kid? Um, no, but. It's it, like I don't have a huge reference point for it. Are you sure you're not one of those Diaz brothers who's like, yo, I would have won if we had a seventh round or I would have won? No, if, no, no, uh, no. I was never, ever, ever. I think, you're, ever I think you might be a closet Diaz brother. I think we're finding this out slowly as we go along with the show. You know what? You asked the question. and I, So we mean like in it, when I was a kid or when I was in high school or like, no, high school think, wrestling, no. I was never that guy. Or like as a kid, I was never that guy, no. Well, competitive sports are one thing, but yeah. like – were you were you like oh I would have I would have won if I didn't would have won Monopoly if I didn't get backed up on Ventner over here like were you one of those like if I could have landed one time on this <laughs> no not really not really and the, I feel the like you one were. no the one game we played <laughs> consistently meaning me and my brother and my father was Trivial Pursuit where if you don't know you don't know and there isn't you know you could say oh, I didn't land on this right thing kind of but we never did we just that was the only game we played. With any consistency, board game wise. So, yeah, we—I I wasn't that kid. I know Kelly, super duper duper competitive at everything she did. You must have not been fun to play games with. No, when I was a kid, I didn't care. Now it's bad. I've gotten so competitive over the years, and like, if I don't win something, it like ruins my night. I'm not kidding. We did a beer Olympics this summer, like my friends and I, and I got there and I was like it's just a game guys like we're gonna all gonna have fun like it's gonna be such a good time like nobody ruined the night type of deal and, and then the first game, you my, <laughs> my partner the and I came in third on the first game and my friend my best friend like came up to give me a hug while we were putting the scores up and I pushed him away and I was like don't touch me 
And he was like, are you kidding me? He was like, you just walked in 20 minutes ago. Like, it's just a game and you're cursing me out. I was like, well, because it's not a game anymore unless I win. Because I lost. Okay. So Kelly, really sore loser, obviously, (laughs) takes it on everybody around her. KOB, you don't strike me as that kind of guy. Not really. I, sore losers are not really just in general. Like, I want to win things that, I, like, I am moderate to good at. Like, so yeah. if it's, like, a pop culture trivia game, yeah, I want to win. Um, if it's, like, especially if it's a physical. So, like, if someone like, we're playing two-hand touch football or someone wants an impromptu wrestling match, yeah, I want to win those things. But uh, I wouldn't say I'm really a sore loser. I kind of take it in stride. It's like, what, what are we going to do? And if I'm not good at it at all, like, going in, I do not care about losing, like, one bit. Right. That's a big thing for me. I don't generally get into games or do something that I'm not good at. I just don't like doing that. But once I am good, I'm pretty good. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah, it's one of those things where I don't like getting involved in things I'm not great at. So, yeah, very, very true. Last question. Hit it. Answer my question. All right. This comes from Keith who says, hey, Jimmy, I want to quit my job. So can you please have guns say what he is betting on so I can bet the opposite and know I will win? Uh then uh, he has a question here. Uh, Jimmy, was it me, or did it seem like Goddard wanted to stop the fight? Actually, actually, maybe this question should be answered by the staff member who beat you in predictions, the queen of hate, dime piece master of predictions, Kelly. Kelly, was it me, or did it seem like Goddard wanted, wanted to stop the fight but didn't want to be the guy to stop the fight? So he kept calling it the doctor in, and the doctor wouldn't stop All it. right, so go to break, unlocking the cage. So, um, uh, go we, to we break. Gotta it, we got to answer the question. It's a mailbag question. I do not. Th- my show don't have to answer the question. So just He didn't ask you to answer it. Heading to break. So. Heading to break we are. All right? Heading to break. Thank you. Uh, break. All right, Jimmy, fine. All right. We'll let you answer the question, even though it was given to Kel. I feel like yeah. this whole ordeal answered our last question pretty well. Not at all. <laughs> is Jimmy a sore loser? Yes, Kelly he is. just brings it out in me. Mark Goddard clearly wanted to stop that fight. Obviously, he wanted the doctor to do it. There was no fight stopping. I thought that ten times during that fight. Kelly, do you? Did you think? Yeah, that? thanks for thanks for asking, Keith, and thank you for asking me to answer it. I completely agree with you. In between the fourth and the fifth, it seemed like Mark Goddard was looking for absolutely anyone to stop this fight. Called in the doctor. Doctor said he was good to go. He was looking over at the corner the entire time. Called in the doctor a second time, and then obviously at the start of the fifth, said, "I'll you know thirty seconds to show me something, or I'm stopping it." And obviously, Moicano had arguably his best round in the blowout. So I completely agree with you. Thanks for the question. Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Special thanks to SiriusXM's Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen. And SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. Serious XM Podcasts.